Welcome back to the SEM podcast. Jack Bryce here with Zach Hewlett, and tonight we're joined by Terrence Malloy. How you doing, Terrence? Great. Glad that uh, you guys invited me to come take part in this. This is kind of cool. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're really enjoying it. Hopefully, everyone who's listening is too. Seems like we get a few more every day, so um, <laughs> we'll just keep cranking them out. Yes, indeed. Well, where are you? Where well, are you talking I, to us from? I got the invite. Oh, I'm uh, sunny Las Vegas. All right. So here in Southern Nevada. I, uh, after I got the invite from you guys, I I started watching some of your uh, podcasts. It was kind of fun. Uh, I I got to be honest though, I'm I'm pretty impressed with some of the stuff that some of these people can remember because I was like, ah. <laughs> can't remember half of those things like once people say things i'm like oh yeah i do remember some of that stuff but man like to just be able to recall all that like hill holy crap that guy had a lot of detail that he was throwing out that i was like gosh dang yeah for a guy who said he wasn't going to remember much at the beginning he sure dropped a lot of names yeah in detail so but you'll be surprised once we get going here just stuff starts coming back like you said when when other people mention a name or whatever it just keeps coming it's like a tidal wave of memory so yes. now we'll put that now we'll put that to the test so <laughs> tell us uh tell us you know uh time frame and when you got your call and there's any story associated with that getting to scotland uh start us off there all right uh well i think i I, I, there wasn't a great story of actually receiving and opening my call. I was, uh, I uh, come from a decent sized family, but I'm the, the last out of six. So there was no one else really home and around by the time I got my call. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, where I grew up is really just in the middle of nowhere, a tiny little place called Heiko, Heiko, Nevada. It's, uh, okay. th- three quarters cows and, <laughs> population like a hundred i don't know it's pretty tiny little little area so uh uh the the post office was my my neighbor's house was the post office and for a while it was the smallest post office in the united states so people would come from all over to check it out but she had a room in her <laughs> house that was dedicated to the post office and they just had cloth bags that would hang on the wall with your name on it you know the family name whatever oh, so wow. we just walked in and grab our mail out of the bag kind of thing um, so I knew when it came, cause she just called and was like, Hey, your, your mission calls here. So I, like, oh. so I just walked down the dirt <laughs> road to her house and grabbed my mouth. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm trying to remember. I don't, I, I think I got my call in September of Oh three. And then I didn't end up leaving cause Jack, we were in the same group and it was February. Yeah like February 5th or something like that of full four that we actually left to go. So it was a long time. And I remember, you know, I, I didn't end up doing any university or going to college or anything before the mission. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just work. And uh, a buddy of mine, we went and just started, we bought a welder and whatever. We started building fence panels and corrals and stuff to raise money for our mission and I thought, well, we'll do this for a few months. No big deal. Save up as much money as we can. 
But then when I got my call and it was like four or five months until I left, I was like, it seemed like an eternity. I remember that, that was, that was a long way. Yeah. I felt like that took forever, but, uh, yeah. It was a long yeah. time. I got my, I got my call in October and left first week of January. So you doubled that up or, or not doubled it up, but had a couple extra months on there. That's a long time. Yeah, it, I I do remember it seemed like I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to leave. <laughs> it probably wasn't the most productive time either. Like, because once you get your call, you're kind of like, you just kind of accept, all right, I'm going on my mission. That's it. That's what I'm going to do. But, so for yeah. the next five months, I was pretty, I didn't really do much because I was like, I'm getting ready to leave. And then it just took forever. And I, it wasn't, <laughs> probably wasn't my most productive period of life. I'll just put it that way. I agree with you there. Even though I was in school, it was a write-off. It was <laughs> not very productive. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So we're going to skip now. We we left at the same. We got there at the same time. We left at the same time, February yeah, of '06. So, um, tell us what you've been up to since then. Uh, it's can, a lot of time. You can include as much detail or as little as you want. It's up to you. All right. <laughs> well, after getting home, um, shoot, let me dig back into the bank here. So when I first got home, I, I just went and got a job right away and I was working for the highway department for a little bit, working for NDOT. And I was living at home, working for NDOT or Nevada DOT for anyone who doesn't know the department of highways. But, um, I did that for about three months until I got in a bit of a fender bender down in Vegas. And uh, apparently they take a dim view of you getting in an accident in a state truck. <laughs> and so uh, I remember uh, they the first time I ever got fired, they fired me right there on the spot. And I lived about two hours away from Vegas and the accident happened in Vegas. So there I was, they took the truck and I'm sitting there in Vegas stranded with no way to get home. I was like, oh, oh man great and back then i don't think i even had it well i don't remember i don't think i had a cell phone yet to be honest so i had to go get a phone and i luckily i had a bunch of buddies and some family living down here so it wasn't a big deal but uh but then i ended up moving down to vegas and just started working um i by trade i'm a, a welder fabricator so i just started working for actually quite a few companies but i did a lot of, i got into a lot of the uh like a lot of the stainless steel and brass and all that ornamental stuff that you see in the casinos and whatever, doing that for a while until about '09 mm, when the uh, recession hit. Oh, in the meantime, sorry, let me back up there. In oh, so I was welding and doing construction, and in '08, uh, that's when I got married, uh, met my wife. She was down here in vegas doing her student teaching she was one of the she went to byu idaho and then they send they always send a big group of them down to like vegas salt lake and different places to do their student teaching anyways so she was down here doing that and i i gave her a reason not to leave so <laughs> she, uh so we got married in 08 funny thing about that too actually and i didn't know this at the time but um, so we got, we actually just celebrated our 14 year anniversary two days ago. So we got married on the 6th of August and, uh, it was like the middle of the week. It was a Wednesday 
in Salt Lake. None of us had family in Salt Lake. I mean, I was down here in Vegas with her else, but my wife, she decided that she wanted to get married in the Salt Lake Temple. And she decided she wanted to get married in the middle of the week. And I was like, just the most random. I was like, why are we going all the way to Salt Lake? None of our family lived there. Everyone on both sides had to travel in the middle of the week. Uh, but it turns out that uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon Osman was also getting married in the Salt Lake Temple at the exact same time. So he and his wife got married in one ceiling room while I was getting married in the other ceiling room. And it was, it was kind of cool. I was wow. like, oh, that's because Brandon Small was also in our group. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was kind of fun. So got married at the same time. So uh, if Brandon, if he listens to these podcasts, uh, happy anniversary, buddy. I know you just had one, so good job. 14 years. Congratulations. Uh, anyways. <laughs> so just trying to think moving forward. All right. So, so then I was working construction. We did a lot of a big project, a lot of the casino to help do a lot of the stainless and brass work in the casinos and whatever. And, uh, but when the recession hit in 08 Vegas, man took a major hit because most of our economy is based on construction and gambling. Right. So when the construction stopped, Vegas kind of dried up. So, uh, around that time I ended up going out to Charleston, South Carolina, to dive school and got into like the commercial diving underwater welding and all that kind of stuff. And then I got a job with a company in American Fork, Utah of all places. And uh, so I moved to Utah for a few years during all that recession, traveling around the country, doing the underwater stuff, uh, which was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And in about, what was it, Jessica, 2014, uh, we decided to come back to Vegas because my wife was not a big fan of the snow in Utah. Every time it snowed, I had to deal with a pretty grumpy wife. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> he's like, I don't like the cold. We need to go back to Vegas. And uh, anyway, so about 2014, her school, her old school called her back. and was like, hey, we're having a shortage. We'd really love it. Is there any way we could get you to come back? And she's like, sold. And she's like, by the way, we're going back to Vegas. I just accepted the job. So <laughs> we did like this 24 hour pack all of our stuff and get out. Uh, wow. So, so we came back then and then, yeah. And then I've been working, doing a lot of fabrication work, a lot of, uh, welding, and also with the diving, I started working at some of the casinos. Some of the big shows, uh, casinos down the strip have like, like the Cirque du Soleil shows and different things. But they've got some water shows. So I've been doing like carpentry, working as a diver for a lot of the shows at night and then welding during the day. Um, wow. And then this last, in 2020, when everything shut down, I'd been kicking around the idea for a long time and just start my own business. People are always saying, well, why don't, why don't you go start out and go out on your own? You do all this nice stuff. Why don't you do it for yourself? And so when 2020 shutdown hit, I was like, you know what? It's probably, if I'm ever going to do it. This is probably the time. So since, so I started my own company in 2020. Um, and so, yeah, for a couple of years now, I've been running my own fabrication business and then still working the casinos at night because, well, they basically pay me to swim and play around in the water. So it's, it's been fun. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, I think that pretty much wow. covers everything that I've been up to. 
that's a that's a long time period kind of condensed down but there you go yeah any children uh no kids we just got dogs oh and my wife <laughs> told me told me we just had we've got five puppies our dogs just had puppies so i've got i've i've expanded in the last oh, wow. month so dogs are, dogs if you're are in the market children. if you're in the market i might have some so i'm just saying just keep that in mind what kind of dogs? Uh, American Bulldog and Mutt. Okay, nice. So, very cool. Man, underwater welding and all that—that's that's pretty unique. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. fun. I enjoy it. It is cool. All right. So, going back now, February two thousand four entered the MTC. Uh, we'll start there, I guess, if you got any memories of the MTC and then we'll kind of walk through the mission, what areas you were in and who you served with. So, all right. Well, uh, the MTC was an interesting experience for me because well, one, I like a lot of you, I, I didn't even know there was an MTC outside of Provo mm-hmm. until I got my call. So that was, I was excited. I was excited to go to Preston and go to the MTC. I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, but I, sorry, there's like a fly that is like just pestering me. But um, <laughs> I, my MTC experience was was interesting. I'll just, I, I don't know that I necessarily enjoyed my MTC experience <laughs> all that much. I don't know if you remember uh, Bryce, but or. I don't yeah. know. Should I call you Bryce or Jack? I don't know. It's whatever. It's kind of weird for me to call you Jack, to be honest. I got four first names, so whatever. Oh. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> uh, but looking back now, I, I mean, it's it's interesting in hind, you know hindsight is twenty twenty. But as I look back now, I realize just how woefully unprepared I was <laughs> to enter the mission field in a lot of ways. Um, but when I got into the MTC, I was paired up with a companion who just didn't want to be there. He just had no interest. And I remember him saying, he's like, yeah, I'm the only reason I'm here is because my parents told me either I go on a mission or I go find my own place. Cause they were kicking me out. <laughs> and so it was wow. either figure stuff out and get his own place or go on a mission. So he chose mission. I guess it sounded easier, but he, yeah, uh, he, he didn't make he, it. He was, all. No, he did. I don't know. Do you, do you remember? He, um, I think Elder, he went home. Kramer was his name. I think he went home about two months in to Scotland. That's about two months longer than I would have expected. I'm gonna be honest, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, I remember he just he just didn't want to be there and he didn't want to do anything and and I just to set the backstory. I, I mean, I like I said, I was pretty unprepared in a lot of ways. Looking back now, I just shake my head because. I, uh, I mean, I wasn't a great student. I, I hated school. I did the bare minimum I could just to skate by and barely managed that. And, uh, my study habits, well, they didn't exist. I had no study habits. I had no idea how to study. I don't think I ever took a book home when I was in high school. So then all of a sudden now as a missionary, you got to be studying. And I didn't even know how, like, I literally didn't even know how to study. Cause I just, I had no experience. And, uh, I was, 
half illiterate, to be honest. I could barely read. And uh, I remember I used to get up at five every morning. I mean, I remember what was it, six thirty or something is when we were supposed to get up. But I'd get up at five every morning just to try to get extra study time because I was just I felt like I was so far behind. And I was the MTC, you know, it's like blasting open that fire hose and just hitting you right in the face. And I was I kind of went into survival mode, honestly. I was trying to keep up and I just was overwhelmed. And then I had <laughs> had a companion who just was completely unenthused and didn't want to do anything. And I, I had a I had a bit of a tough time in the MTC. I remember here's a good example. I remember one time after one of our meetings, I don't remember, we had one of the meetings and we were headed up because the bathrooms or something were upstairs or something, right? What was it, like two or three stories? Yeah. I don't even remember. But I remember we were we headed up, had to use the bathroom, and walking down the, the hall, and he had found on all the blinds in the windows, remember they had those little light chains to open the blinds. Well, he had found one of these chains somewhere. And I don't know if he found it on the ground or if he took it off the blinds. I don't know. But I remember we were walking down the hall and he was behind me and we're walking in and as right as I'm getting ready to walk in the bathroom, I just feel this like sting on my face. And I was like, what is that? And it took me a second to realize, but he had just taken this chain. He had just taken this chain and from behind just goes, whoosh. And whipped me in the side of the head and it wrapped around and slapped me in the face. And it I was first like, what was that? And I remember it was just feeling that like whoop, rise up. And I, I ended up grabbing him and sticking him against the wall. And I just, it was all I could do not to just go at it. But <laughs> I just sat there kind of like, kind of shaking. I was like, listen. Don't ever do that again. And he just, he, she just white, you know, he looked like, yeah, anyways. But I remember it was just stuff like that. And he's like, and I was like, why did you do that? He's like, I don't know. I just didn't know what it would do. I thought I'd try it out. Oh, jeez. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you remember this, Bryce, but like towards the end, I was starting to get so, I was just starting to get so frustrated and and i always felt so behind because it was kind of, we had some great guys in the group i remember like uh, you always seemed like a really just jovial like lucky go you know just laid back guy having fun we had guys like bass russ bass in our group who just always seemed to like articulate just kind of got it was a good teacher and blah 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 all this stuff and i just man i just felt so inadequate but I remember we, uh, you know, we had to like practice teaching lessons, right? And we're trying yeah. to learn our lessons. And that was before Preach My Gospel. So it was still a little bit more of the memori memorizing the lessons a little bit. But now I was struggling. And I, we, we, me and my companion were supposed to be teaching someone, the, the, another companionship. And he just kept like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? This is dumb. Why are we doing this? He's like, this will be easier when we're actually teaching people who don't know anything. And I remember I just kind of snapped. I just, I, just so frustrated and bottled up. I remember I like a tear start coming. I'm like, no, it's not going to be easier. This is going to be worse. When we have people who don't want to hear the message, this is the easy time to practice. And then at that point, the mission president or the MTC probably kind of sent everyone out and he had a little chat with us and, or no, no, I don't remember if it was him or whoever the, the lead teacher guy, I don't remember his name, but kind of sat us down and, chatted with us were really kind I, they, they were great people there i remember it was i loved uh mm -hmm. i loved the, the mtc president i loved a lot of the instruction stuff 
but it was it was a rough time for me i'm not gonna lie yeah i remember making considerable effort even as a district to get uh kramer to come on board really to like like here we are in the mtc having this great experience with the spirit and yeah he was just missing his fantasy books i think or whatever from home so yeah. <laughs> i think that was half of what he packed was his collection of books but yeah so i i think i think i missed out on some of the stuff in the mtc because i was spent a lot of time just overwhelmed yeah i had no idea that you were waking up way earlier than all of us and getting in the oh, and I, was ex- time. I was exhausted I was tired, exhausted, frustrated, just felt overwhelmed. I like I was struggling in the MTC, I remember. Yeah. But but you know, you, you it's a good made experience. It. You made it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So well there were fifteen of us, I think, that went up to Scotland from there. Yeah, um, there was a pretty good I was trying to remember the people in the group, and I was like, to be honest, I was struggling to remember everybody. But yeah, Bass, Osmond, Stratton, Clarkson, uh, Green, Parmenter. Um, I know I'm forgetting yourself, Kramer. Then we had three sisters. I think there was maybe one or Samus. two senior sisters actually. Samus was there. Bogomolova. Was, yeah. it, was it Baker? Baker, Bogomolova? Yeah, yeah, and then the two yeah. senior sisters. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So it was, it was a good group headed up. It was a pretty good side group, yeah. Um, so got to the mission. Where where were you assigned and who were you assigned with? Uh, so when I got there, it's interesting because I, I heard some people talking about like the first day in Edinburgh and going around and doing all stuff. It's like, man, I vaguely remember half that stuff. Like, I kind of remember driving by the castle and looking at some stuff and thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. And then uh, a lot of the other, I don't even remember going out like knocking doors with somebody. I don't even I must have, but I don't know who I went with. I don't even remember doing that. Um, but I remember, uh, I remember like, what was it like taco soup or tortilla soup or whatever that sister rings made for us. Mm, that was good stuff. <laughs> I can remember soup. the food. I don't remember the people I served with, but I remember the food. The important thing. So, yeah. Uh, but then I was, I was, a, so my first companion, my trainer was elder Olson. And he was a cool dude. He was from Nephi, Utah. Um, and he was, he had three months left on his mission. So he trained me and I killed him. So, uh, but he was, he was a great guy and he was a good missionary. I mean, he, I remember I, I, it would be interesting. I don't know if any of these guys are been reached out to, or if they listen to your podcast or anything, but it would be interesting to know what his uh, his side of things were because I'm sure he probably thought, "Oh my gosh, who is this kid who doesn't know anything?" Like, <laughs> but uh, but he was he was a you know just kind of down to earth guy, not a lot of nonsense, but he just 
hard worker, but he was just very practical about things. And I, I really like that. I appreciate that about him. And kind of, cause you know, when you, well, I don't know, maybe what, maybe not for you guys, but for me, I don't know what I expected out of my mission, to be honest, looking back, I have no idea what I thought it was going to be like, but I'm sure I thought I was going to be like out there baptizing the world and standing there in a river with a line of people just begging to come get dunked. I don't know what I thought, but it definitely, I tell you one thing is it was not what it was. I mean, there was a lot of standing around wet just because you're getting rained on. And so I, and my, our area was, I started out in Hamilton and, uh, Hamilton was a, there was a, a good ward there. I mean, it was kind of a cool area to start with. Um, I believe one of you guys said you had served in Hamilton. Did one of you guys serve I, in Hamilton? I, I was the one who served in Hamilton. I was there for a short six weeks, but it, it was a great ward. Amazing people. Um, and, you know, I was talking about it, uh, about Winifred Terrett, who was our friend. Oh, yeah. She's a rock few, star. She's unbelievable. She's one of my favorite people. And then beyond that, I I really just love the the youth. And so the Wark family with Ryan and Aaron Wark were were awesome people. I love that word. It was it was fun. I wish it was there a little longer, but it wasn't to be. Yeah. Well, they when I was well, it would have probably been the same because I think Bishop Cameron had just he was a pretty new bishop, I believe, when we got him. So we whitewashed into the area. Okay. So we didn't know know anything, but the bishop and his wife, oh, they were like angels, man. They were so cool. They went way above and beyond to try to like take care of us and feed us and <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. It would have been an, it would have been a much different experience without them. I I really love the yeah. Camerons. Jim Cameron. Uh I remember uh probably within the first month or two of being there. I had left a pen or a marker or something in my pocket. And when I'd washed my shirts, so all my whites and then all my white, <laughs> oh man, all my white shirts came out looking like Dalmatians. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so, so I was like, Oh my gosh, every single one of my white shirts has got big old black spots all over it. And so uh, I remember I was like, Oh crap. So I took some, like bleach and made some solution and tried soaking it like before I got them dry, you know, while they're still wet, I was like, maybe if I bleach them, I can get this, some of this ink out. And I, and I didn't know clearly I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I soaked my shirts in this bleach solution overnight. And I remember the next morning when rinsing them out and pulling them out everywhere that the bleach or the pen, the, these spots were, the bleach had just eaten the shirt. So it was like, just see-through. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so now I've got like no um, white shirt and the ones I've got look pretty risque. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't be walking around <laughs> like this. And uh, <laughs> luckily, I don't know that there, we found some, uh, we found some shirts that had been left by other missionaries in the flat and, Got some of the charity shop and oh, but yeah, it, yeah, you know, those good learning experiences when you're a 19 year old kid out there now, just trying to figure stuff out on your own, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was fun. Uh, and then, so I was with Olson for three months. 
And actually he, his parents came to pick him up uh, like a week or so early. And so he took off about a week early and went toured around Scotland with his parents. And uh, which is actually kind of cool. Cause they, my sister was living in Utah and before they came out, she had met up with them, gave them some stuff. And so they actually brought me some white shirts and stuff when they came. So that was, that was good. Uh, <laughs> Your letters made it home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for like a week or so there, I didn't have a companion. So they moved me over to, uh, uh, I can't remember the name there. Kill, kill. No, kill I can't remember what's no, I wasn't kill winning, but it was with uh, elder Osmond. He was serving over there and like halfway in Canberra, Cumbus Lang, Canvas Lang, something. Yeah. Anyway. So I, uh, I spent a, a week over there with elder Osmond working in his area with him. Uh, and his companion, because uh, he was with Dracocarvus, I think was his trainer. And yeah, he, right. left, I think he left for some reason. I don't know why, but he left, went somewhere else. And so for the two of us had, were companionless. So they teamed us up for about a week until transfers. And then at that point, I got Elder Rolo. And uh, yeah. yeah, Rolo was a good dude. He was a good guy. Uh, but we served there in Hamilton for six weeks together. And uh, it was uh, it was good. You know, it's always good when you, like, get another companion after your trainer. Because you learn so much from your trainer, but then it's good to get, like, another perspective in there. And I, uh, I remember um, Elder Rolo was just gung-ho to, like, want to take all the old chapping books and all the old records and stuff that we had and kind of shake it up and whatever. And, uh, so it was kind of fun. And, uh, I learned a lot from him. He was a good missionary. Um, but, uh, I think, so I was with him for six weeks and then I got transferred up to Huntley. So up on kind of the Northeast coast of Scotland. So we were from Huntley all the way up to the, the North coast. So we took in like Banff and McDuff and all those areas right there on the coast. Oh, I love that area. That was great. And I served there with uh, Elder Bergen, Sam Bergen. Yeah. He was a good dude. I love that guy. He was from Mold Wells, I believe. If I got that wrong, if Sam, if you're listening and I screwed that up, I apologize. Dude, it's been a long time, <laughs> but, but I love you. But he was a great dude. Uh, and so I remember uh, getting up into that area and it's a lot more um, of a rural area. And we had a car and we covered two different branches and quite a big area. But I, like I said, coming from my background, I was, I was kind of used to that small remote area. You know, that's kind of where I grew up. So I felt a lot more at home up there. And uh, less people, less buildings, just kind of a little more space. And I loved it up there. And we were serving, we were in the branch presidency up there. And the branch president was um, a senior couple up there, the Sutters, Ed and Cleo Sutter. Uh, and they've recently both passed away. But they were fantastic. Man, that was, and I remember going into that area because it's so small. You know, you can't 
there's just not an endless supply of doors to knock on. Right now we covered several towns and so it was easy to spread that out, but you just, everything's been knocked and chapped and whatever. And you don't really have a lot of good high streets to just go street contacting. Not that that was my favorite thing. Anyways, actually going back, <laughs> serving, serving with elder Olson. I remember that was actually one thing that we did a lot of is like every day, every single morning we'd go to the high street there in Hamilton and uh, street contact GQ or whatever we called it. I don't remember, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's very many golden questions. It was a lot of harassment, but I, uh, <laughs> I was, it was, it was the thought. It was the thought. Yeah. So it's <laughs> funny because I've actually, my wife and I were actually recently just talking about this. I'm just going to, sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, uh, my mission was great, was great for me in a lot of ways. But one of the things is I, I, I never realized it until we were looking back and, and talking about this the other day, but I was like, man, I didn't even really have that much experience talking to new people because where I grew up, I knew everybody. So like, I mean, I'm not saying I never met people that I didn't know, like going on ball trips and different things. Like, sure. Obviously I've met people that I didn't know prior to going on my mission, but like, really, that was a rare occasion for me. And I, my personality isn't the most outgoing necessarily. I kind of am introverted a little bit by nature. Uh, I tend to like keep to myself until I kind of get comfortable in a situation. And so, man, just standing out there on the high street, just like a stooge, just people walking by, excuse me. Hey, sir, can map up? Oh, that was rough. That took me way out of my comfort zone. And we did like for like two to three hours every day for like the first three months of my mission. And I'll be honest, I really hated doing it, but I, I learned, oh, it was such a steep learning curve, but I learned how to teach because, you know, you never, you can't plan it. You can't, you get hit with all kinds of stuff that you aren't expecting or you aren't ready for. And there's so many people out there who are way smarter than me and knew their Bible way better than me and knew all this and like, and had had interaction with missionaries sometimes and were prepared to start throwing stuff at me that I just wasn't even expecting. And so you had to be on your toes and learn to like just feel whatever came at you. And, and it was great. I attribute that to my actually learning to teach the gospel as it, it took all these principles that to be honest, prior to then were just kind of principles in my head. And all of a sudden, that's what started connecting all the dots for me is is that just street contacting and teaching people and just being caught off guard. And then someone would just just stump you and make you look silly. And then you're like, oh, no. So you go back in your studies and try to figure out what it was, you know. And so it was it was great. But when I was in Huntley, there wasn't a lot of that. There wasn't a lot of people milling around in these little towns like that. So that wasn't a, uh, a great option. And. You know, we knocked a lot of doors. Well, as you know, we we chapped a lot. We we I would it would be interesting to know how many hours we spent in two years just walking around Scotland chapping on people's doors. <laughs> Too many. That would a be lot. an interesting stat. Yeah. So it was kind of fun because it was a small area and you kind of had to think outside the box a little bit. And I it was, I think it was about that time of mission when I kind of felt like I started coming into my stride as a missionary. Cause now all of a sudden, like I'm able to like understand the lessons that I'm teaching the gospels clicking for me. I'm starting to, to get the hang of things I felt like. And, uh, you know, we were thinking outside the box as best we could when, and just, 
you felt more productive and we were having success and you could kind of relax a little bit and start being more worrying so much about how to like recite the lesson or how to like say the right things, you know, cause you, you kind of had that down a little bit. Um, and we had a little bit of success up there. We had some, some baptisms, a couple of baptisms up there. Um, but I was with Bergen, I want to say for three months, I think. Uh, but that's the thing that I loved about elder Bergen, Sam Bergen is like, he, uh, I would always kind of try to come up with these ideas. All right, what, what can we do to like shake it up? How can we like reach people in a different way in these little areas? And so, and not all my ideas were that great, but he was very patient and he just kind of like, he was always game to just go along with stuff. And I don't know, maybe it was, he might've been annoyed to death. I don't know, but uh, he was always a good sport about it. And I, and I like that. He was, he was a great dude. Um, probably still is, <laughs> but uh, then after Bergen, I served with uh, uh, Mark Leonard. I don't know if you knew Leonard, but uh, meet him. Did he did was, Noble he, come in after you up there? I I don't remember who replaced me. To be honest, I don't know. Okay, um, but with, carry on. <laughs> but with uh, Leonard. He was a he was a little fellow, a little English guy. I don't remember where he was from, to be honest, but he was English. Uh, and he he could have he he had a bit of an attitude sometimes, and he he loved to try to call you out. And in a lot of ways, it was good because you know sometimes I I had a tendency to get maybe too comfortable, too carried away, and he loved to like call me on the carpet, which I didn't always enjoy at the time, but it was good. It was something that I probably needed, and. Uh, yeah, I I actually appreciated that about him that he was pretty blunt a lot of the times about stuff. <laughs> and uh I, I really enjoyed several learning years ago there. I I think I'll probably say that about all my campaigns, to be honest. Well the uh and then after Huntley, so that that was the thing. Like Huntley, I kind of felt like I was starting to really get in my stride. I felt like I was really starting to get the swing of things and doing well. And I remember after six weeks with Leonard at transfers, I got called and I remember president Vrain's calling by the elder. <laughs> I want you to go down to Dundee. And I remember everyone talked about Dundee and what a great area it was and how much, I don't remember who was down there, but they always in zone conference, they were always telling us how they had like a hundred people in their teaching pool and whatever. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think someone's fluffing their numbers if you ask me, but whatever. But anyways, <laughs> He uh, he asked me, he's like, oh, I need you to go down to Dundee. He's like, uh, Elder, I want you to serve with uh, Elder Brown, Zach Brown. And uh, I didn't know Brown at the time. I'd never been around him yet. But I I remember I knew of him. He had a bit of a reputation. Um, And I remember the President Brains telling me, he's like, well, Elder, your your companion has a little bit of a problem with some of the mission rules and I want you to see if you can't help him out kind of thing. You know, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I was, and I was, I was so excited to stay in Huntley. I really thought I was going to stay there another transfer. And then when I got, so I was, I remember feeling just so gutted leaving an area that I just was loving. 
I'm having a great time in it. Felt like we were starting. To, I mean, we had a good teaching pool. We had people that were progressing well. And then I, at the time, I remember just kind of feeling like I got the carpet yanked out from under me. And then I was like, had to get moved. And then getting moved to uh, an area with a companion that I had heard um, was difficult. I remember I kind of went to Dundee with a little bit of a bad attitude. Uh, I just wasn't excited to be there. Um, and I think most of the things that I, so I kind of started off a little rough in Dundee and looking back now, I realized that most of it was probably my attitude going into it. And, uh, we, we had some, I had some struggles with my campaign at first, Brown and I, we had some differences, but, uh, I think we served, I think we were there together for six weeks, but I learned though, there were things that he was better than me at. And I, I learned actually quite a few things from him. Uh, one is for all the things that I thought might be wrong with him. He was great with people. You know, he was really good with like, just talking to people, making them feel comfortable and like it or not, he would always be himself. And in a lot of ways, it made him more relatable with people. And now it doesn't necessarily mean that we were always successful because of it, but I did like the way he was able to like be true to himself. And because of it, people could relate to him a lot easier. And uh, so yeah. it was good. I, I learned quite a bit actually from him. And uh, But we were only together six weeks. Then he got moved out and Elder Green from our became my companion yeah. Andrew Green and uh, I love that guy he is definitely probably one of my definitely one of the best friends I made on my mission and we served together for four and a half months there in Dundee um, but I kind of got a rough I started out a little rough in Dundee and I remember the because the, the zone leaders were also in that ward with us so there was four missionaries serving in that ward and uh i remember probably for good reason prior to me coming in they'd already the, the ward didn't really seem to like trust us very much we hadn't really built a great rapport with the the ward and uh in the six weeks i was there with brown i probably didn't help anything with my kind of bad attitude so we didn't have a great working relationship with the ward. I remember the bishop didn't, I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't like us very much, but he liked the zone leaders. I remember going to some activities at the church there, it's like the youth activities, and they had some investigators. Some people just randomly walk in off the street on a Wednesday night, like, hey, we'd like to know more about the church. And like Elder Elder Green and I were there like, well, hey, you're in the right place. And we go up to start talking to him. And the bishop kind of came in and cut us off. He's like, oh, no, no, I've got the other missionaries coming. And just oh, kind of like, <laughs> just wow. kind of shoot, shoot us off. <laughs> and I just remember, <laughs> I was like, this, pardon my language, this sucks. Oh, man. And so, needless to say, we hadn't built a great rapport with the uh, the ward there. And uh, uh, I remember, I think most of us probably had a little bit of a, a roller coaster on our mission, I would imagine. But for me, I had, 
I think on my mission, I had some of the highest highs, but I also hit some of my lowest lows on my mission. And I remember Dundee was one of those areas that was just, and I think a lot of it had to do with the way I kind of came into the area. My attitude didn't set a good tone for me, but, and then the ward didn't like us. And I just remember Dundee was actually kind of a, a rock bottom area for me where I just hit some of my lowest lows. And I really, really struggled at that time. Uh, and you know, there were good missionaries around. One of the saving graces in Dundee though, is I always loved the zone leader. We had, well, we probably had too much fun. Oftentimes there was, uh, started out as Pattenden and Taylor, I believe where the zone leader, I got there. And then it was Taylor and Willis for like three months or something like that. And we, uh, we, we definitely had way too much fun when they were around, which that might actually be a fun one. If you get four of us on there and we could tell you some stories about that area, but, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that to you. Little... We'll leave that to you, Terrence. You, you got to bridge the round gaps. Them up. Yeah. Round them up. I, I'm going to, I'm going to call Willis out again. I reached out to him. So I served with Willis for four weeks and I said, you got to come on. People keep talking about you. And he, he just straight up said no. And I was, you know, that's just his personality. I'll, I'll keep, keep uh working on it chris patton did oh. send us a, a message today saying he's willing but he's just in the midst of some busy stuff so get elder taylor and uh, maybe we can round him up i'm sure that would be too much fun oh yeah do you guys remember that zone conference when president Vrain sent all the sisters out of the room <laughs> yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. well that <clears throat> that was kind of a result of that time in dundee but that's another story for another day. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that could be a podcast in and of itself, but we'll, we'll, we'll probably not delve into that right now. I know, I know for a fact that wasn't just Dundee that drove that. So well, like you Taylor said, maybe also, we can. <laughs> I was like, Taylor also became AP right then, around that time. And so I, I think there was, there was a, I had a, Let's just say I had a really uncomfortable, interesting call from President Reigns after that area. <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, I don't know. I don't know if you want me to go into that. Uh, that's that's probably another story for another day. I think I know the story, and you can leave it. You can leave it out. What's that? Yeah, you can leave yeah. it out. I approve. Yeah, leaving it out. Yeah, we'll leave that out. <laughs> uh, but I will say we had a lot of fun having those guys around. Was probably like my saving grace in that area. We had it was it great guys to be around, but yeah, I, I just, I had a really hard time in Dundee. I remember that was the one time on my mission when I remember just, just getting so overwhelmed. I remember our, uh, give me a second. Our district, le- our district leader at the time was elder Muirhead. Elder Muirhead, if you're listening, I apologize, man. Listen, I was going through a rough time. All right. Let me just put that disclaimer <laughs> out there. I remember Elder Muirhead, he was always trying really hard to like inspire and come up with his own ideas. And sometimes they weren't the most popular. And uh, I remember just, I was just getting so run down in that area. I remember I told Green one time, because they always wanted to go on exchanges with us because we were struggling. And, uh, I just told Green, I was like, you know what? I'm just not answering the phone anymore. So I remember him calling us like 12 times a day. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Can't do it. I'm not talking to him. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, 
I, that was not the right way to go. Just for the record, that was not the right way to go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I remember, and they had, uh, who was it? Elder Grant. Elder Grant was kind of doing that traveling missionary thing for a little bit, right? Yeah. And I remember him coming in the air, and he was traveling through our district. But I remember them finally coming to our flat one day and kind of cornering us because we just wouldn't answer the phone and accept exchanges with them. <laughs> and so they, they kind of they came to our flat one day and started like, hey, what's going on? And like really, and I, I had no escape. And I kind of had to like actually start talking about what was going on. I remember just that was it. That was like the breaking point. I just, man, I just frustration and everything else just kind of came out. I remember I ended up just like crying like a little kid and just, ugh, just hit rock bottom. And uh, shortly after that, I ended up the next transfer. I ended up getting moved out of Dundee and I went up to the Orkney islands, which uh, was awesome was a saving grace for me. I don't know. I just did better. I, I think, you know, coming from Southern Nevada where it's sunny and hot all the time and it's then Scotland where it's drizzly and dark all the time. And we didn't have heat in that apartment and that apartment in Dundee was a friggin' dive. I don't know who picked it, but I remember it was just disgusting, just <laughs> gross. And they, I don't remember where they said they got, we had couches and stuff in there. I don't know where they got them from or who got them. But uh, they they had like sheets and stuff over them all the time, and I didn't really think anything of it until one day I went to just move the furniture around, and I like took the sheet off and went to pick up this couch, and my hands like were like sticky coming off. I was like, "What is the oh?" And they'd oh been gosh. I don't know who they got them from, but they they got them from somewhere where like the cats and dogs had lived in the house and just peed all over them, and they were just gummy. Uh. And our apartment just stunk. And I remember Brown always used to like to burn incense. And to this day, I cannot stand the smell of incense because it just. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Reminds me of that stanky, nasty apartment. And they and the stairwell going up, everyone would just throw their trash into the stairwell going in. So it just smelled like garbage all the time. And oh, I, geez. it just wasn't a good place. It just was, it was a rough time. It was a rough time. So when I got up, sent up to Orkney, man, I was so stoked. Get out of the city, get out of the stinky, nasty apartment, go up there where there's some space again. And uh, I went up there with Elder Littlefield. Uh, he was serving up there when I got up there. And I, I think, I think we were together only six weeks, Elder Littlefield. Um, but Littlefield was, he was a good dude as well. As everyone, as I'm, like I said, I'll probably say that about everybody, but he, uh, he had a big heart, that guy. Um, you know, we may not have always had the, the same view on things, but like, man, there's one thing that that guy that I remember about Littlefield was he just knew how to love people. And I admired that about him. Uh, he had a really big heart, just a, sweetheart of a guy he's kind of a big teddy bear um but i enjoyed i enjoyed little phil i enjoyed serving around him um and i remember going to uh when we were on the the islands i remember going to uh what were their names there's an older couple art the and the flats the flats yep. is it was it art art and art. minor art and minor flat yep 
Yeah. And they would put on this big old spread once a week for you to get when you go eat. Oh, I love their dinner plumbers. But I kind of had a reputation when I went on when I was out there for just eating a lot of food. And she made like a big old pot and it was like roast and potatoes and carrots and big old thing. But the first time I went over there, we polished it off. I mean, we licked that pot clean. And she was so excited to see us eat all that food. She thought that was so cool. So the next time we went out there, she made a little bit more. And like, I think the first three times we went out there, we just knocked it out, polished it off. And uh, I remember every time. And and if you remember, their house was right there, kind of in the middle of those fields. And there was cows and stuff around. Right. I loved it. But it was like home for me. But uh, I remember sitting there. I'd been there about a month. And I remember we were sitting there having, uh, well, I was going to say dinner. It was probably lunch, dinner. I don't remember. But she was, by this point, she was making like a big, huge pot of food because she just didn't want us to like go hungry, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> and I remember we were doing our best to try to eat everything. And man, you'd almost have to wheel us out of there in a wheelbarrow because I like just, Oh, unbutton your pants and just uncomfortable. It was it was awesome, but I remember uh, Art sitting there and this cow's walking by the house outside outside the window, and he just starts yelling at this cow. He's like, "Run, run! You don't know who's in here. Get out of here! They're gonna they're gonna eat everything. You got to run." <laughs> but uh, they they were great, and they used to buy us groceries a lot of the times, and oh. Uh, such cool, cool people. The Orkneys were awesome. Uh, the other thing that was cool, because I think when I was in the Orkneys, it was like this kind of in the springtime into the summer. And uh, oh, I served with Littlefield for six weeks, and then I served with uh, Christofferson for another six weeks up there. Um, but the uh, we go into zone conference and stuff. We'd always take the ferry from Thurso to what is that? What is it? Stornway? What is the town? I don't remember. Thurso? No. What's the, what's the town on the Orkneys where the, the ferry came out? Stornway or something like that? Kirkwall? Well, Kirkwall is where we lived. It's the town on the other side of the, do you remember? On the other side of the island? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. We, you know, my experience was with, I was with Elder Willis at the time <laughs> and we didn't do oh, that. Probably was fun. I can only <laughs> imagine that was probably a good time, man. It was a good time, but uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get on other ferries and go around. We just kind of stuck to the basics and didn't do a okay. whole much of exploring. So I don't recall off the top of my head. I'd have to look it All up. Right. Well, I remember around that time they had some music festivals and stuff up there. And so, and I loved taking the ferries. Like I, I love being on the water. I love being in around the water, whatever. So I loved those ferry rides. They were freaking great. But I remember sitting on the ferry with like a couple hundred musicians and it was the coolest thing, man. Cause you'd get some guy who would just break out his violin and start playing. And then someone would be listening for a second. They'd break out like a banjo. And then someone else has got a guitar. And then you got someone playing the spoons. And pretty soon you got like <laughs> people playing the bagpipes. And then you got like this whole group of people just jamming together. And like, oh, I could have just sat there and listened to that for days. That was so much so cool. I loved it when they had that stuff going on. 
those music festivals, but hmm, interesting. Uh, and then, so when I was where with uh, Christofferson, I believe it was with Christofferson, um, we were up there and it was like June, July, but I remember it was the 4th of July was coming up. Obviously they don't give two craps about the 4th of July, but we're like, well, we got two Americans. We're going to do something. So we were doing uh, the service at the pig farm with old Jonah Groat. And uh, I remember I bought a pig from him, like a, probably like a 60, 70 pound pig from him. And uh, for the 4th of July, we invited the zone leaders up. And at the time it was West and Clawson, I think. And so they came up on it. So they came up on exchanges on the 4th of July and I cooked the pig up on the hill by on the farm. I asked him if I could just go up behind the barn and we dug a big old hole and we just drove around for like two days in that stupid little Corsa or whatever those little cars of Fox Hall. What are those cars? What yeah, are those Fox Hall yeah, you're right. And uh, <laughs> we started collecting driftwood off the beach and like there was a few members who had some old furniture they're trying to get rid of. So we're like, Hey, we'll take it. Some old Oak furniture. So we took the furniture, <laughs> broke it up, stuck it in the car. And for like, probably about a week, eh, probably not quite a week, but for a few days anyways, we started just packing wood and like little pack rats up on the hill behind his barn. And then uh, on the, for the 4th of July, I was like, we're going to do this right. So we dug a big old hole, burned all the wood, threw the pig in there, buried it. And then on the 4th of July, we dug that thing up and feasted on it. And that was a good time, man. If you ever get oh, West Clawson or Christopherson, you should ask him about that one. You bet! You bet! Your buttons were asking That's that awesome. question. That's amazing. <laughs> I think yeah, I think cool. I heard about that from Christopherson afterwards. That's like, that's like legendary, man. <laughs> it was good times. We it turned out really good too. Um, but uh, yeah, service on the pig farm was always a good time. That was like a little slice of home for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. My gosh. You can't unsmell the things that were on the pig farm. Well, let me ask you this. I got a question for you. Now, this is a serious question. I need your honesty here, Zach. What was worse? The pig stalls or the chicken stalls? I don't recall ever doing anything in the chicken stalls because we did, we did pigs and then, uh, and then we moved um, grain in the grain silos. And that was like, you know, I'm a city kid. I didn't do anything like that when I was growing up. And I was like, this is just surreal. Like this is someone, someone's life. So it was a little bit different for me, but uh, great experience overall. But again, I, as I said, I I would never did the chickens. I remember peeking in there, but we did a lot of stuff with the, with the pigs. Yeah, I, we did a lot, we did more with the pigs, but they, every now and again, we had to clean out all the chicken pens and I don't remember how many there were, but there was a lot. And man, that chicken smell, you cannot wash that. It, you just got to wait for it to wear off after like three weeks. It just, it's, it's rough. It's rough oh, stuff. Man. That's too yeah, funny. That, that was good times. This is good times, uh, my gosh. Yeah, I love the organs. I would love... I would love to get back up there at some point and see some of that. I actually would love to go up and go diving off of some of those wrecks. That would be cool. But, um, oh, yeah. anyways, that's, that's another topic for another day. Uh, all right. 
So I was, I was with Christofferson for six weeks up there. And I think it was shortly after, Oh, you know, the other thing about the Orkneys is like, I found out that all the fishing was free up there. Like you didn't have to have a license or anything else. And so I remember I was like, yes, we went once Christofferson and I went once and went fishing, but I went and bought like a pole and some tackle. And I I was probably still there when you got there. I don't know, but uh, I got some, I got some fishing gear and I was like, yes, I thought for sure. For sure, president's going to leave me here for another transfer, and I was planning on going every P day and going fishing. But uh, no, no. As soon as I bought all that stuff, I was like, oh, "That's it, Malloy. You're done." <laughs> and so, you can't you can't make plans like that. President Reigns has he had some intuition. He knew. Yeah, no, he, he kiboshed that pretty quick. I was like, "Gosh, dang it." <laughs> but uh so funny. anyways so i hope somebody got some use out of it because i got one of those big old big old beach casting rods like big old heavy duty sucker so i could stand on the rocks and just cast it out into the surf but uh yeah didn't i think i only got to use it once it's terrible oh man <laughs> if i had known i would have said hey willis we're going fishing and he would have gone probably every day with me Oh, I thought I figured for sure you guys probably went because it, it got I left it there. But anyway, that was a good time. I enjoyed that. It was it was probably just what my soul needed after Dundee. And then uh from there, my I finished off my mission, my last transfer. I went down to Cumbernall, Buckfast City, and uh world's or Europe's ugliest city center. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked about that with several people who served there. And it was well-earned. But I went down there to serve with Stratton. And uh, Stratton was also in our group. And uh, uh, I love Stratton to death. That guy is great. Uh, But I remember when I got sent down there, Stratton was having some of his own struggles. And the mission – or. President Reigns, he's like, Elder, it seemed to be a, a normal thing for me. He was like, Elder, I need to go down there and help him through some of his struggles, you know? And so I was like, oh, okay, here we go again. But uh, but Stratton was great. Uh, and in so many ways, I mean, he was a, he was a great missionary. He, oh, dude, in, in so many ways, he was way better missionary than I was. Um, and he's that kind of personality that, like, he's just a – a go-getter type guy. Like if he sets his mind or a goal for something like he'll do just about anything to make it happen, which was awesome. So like we, he, we worked well together, I think in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I learned a lot from him. Like I became a much better missionary because I served around him and with him. Um, Cause I, you know, half the time I, I don't know how you guys felt, but I feel like half the time I just thought I was flying by the seat of my pants, just making it up as I went along. Just like, I hope I'm doing the right thing. This, I think this is the right thing. I don't know. And you never know. You never know what impact. Cause I'm a very hands-on kind of guy, very visual hands-on kind of guy. And so mission work was, was a challenging thing for me in that like you don't always see your progress. You work all day long, but at the end of the day, you can't look back and be like, I accomplished this, this, and this. You're like, man, I am dead tired. I'm beat. I just, I'm worn out. And I don't know if we did anything good. 
Like I chapped on a lot of doors. I tried to talk to a lot of people, you know, but I don't know if I made a difference to anybody. And so that was a difficult thing to just kind of to learn as a missionary for me. Um, Cause I'm very, you know, I like working with my hands. I like building things. I like heck even digging a ditch. I, at least I can look back and see what I accomplished at the end of the day. It might not be fun work, but at least I can see what I've done and I can yeah. see why I'm tired. I can see why I've got blisters or sunburned or whatever else, but missionary work, you know, you don't have that same kind of instant gratification, if you will, for your efforts. And so yeah. and sometimes it's hard. It's a difficult thing to to do. I, I, I found anyways. That's very true. Um, but, uh, but there are people like Stratton, I feel like kind of were much better at seeing that vision than I was. Uh, and so it was, it was good for me to, to serve with, with Stratton. And we, we were together. Uh, so I was in Cumbernauld for seven and a half months, which was kind of a long time. Um, and we both came out together and we both finished our missions there. But he left, I don't, I don't think he left a full transfer early. I think he just left like three or four weeks early. And so Stratton and I served together for like six months straight. Uh, and then a couple of weeks into the, the last transfer there. And then I was uh, cert, or training Elder Tomlinson, Ben Tomlinson, oh, yeah. for the last transfer. And so for, if I'm not mistaken, and I feel really bad that I don't remember for sure, but if I'm not mistaken, I think for a hot minute, we were in a trio um, before Stratton left. Yeah, I don't know. I just knew he left uh, to get back to school, to start school in January. And then we went, we went home in February and missed the start of that semester. So, yeah, that's correct. Um. But Tomlinson was fun. I, I enjoyed him. He was a, he was a character. He was a big boy. I remember, I don't remember now, he, you know, I remember him telling me, but I don't remember what it was, but he, uh, he said the the doctor wouldn't let him go on his mission until he had lost a certain amount of weight. But when he came out, I mean, he was still a big boy. I mean, if I remember right, I think he was like 360 pounds when he came with me and, uh, you know, Mission president, it's like, well, elder, we need you to help him like shed some pounds and, you know, get. <laughs> so I, I feel bad looking back now, but I, I made that poor guy walk all over Cumbernauld. We, and we'd take all the back routes and all through the trees and whatever else. And that, that poor guy, I felt bad. I was like, it was rough when I was a star now. And I, he's, he's a big boy or was is probably still is, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I made that poor boy walk a lot. And, uh, I remember he loved his music. He, he brought, it's kind of funny looking back now. It's just, it's interesting how far we've come, but I remember him bringing out that big old thick binder of CDs. Yes, he did. I was like, why do you have all this music? And he's like, Oh man, I, this is, I love, you know, he just loved his music in which I, I get it. Everyone has the things they like. I was like, I remember telling him at first, like, man, you, you got to get rid of that. Like a lot of that stuff. And a lot of that is not mission, definitely not mission appropriate music, whatever, but I was getting ready to go home. And then 
one day on p-day we started popping in some of its cds and i remember man i like was like instantly hooked it's all the new music like and i was like oh this is a bad idea <laughs> the last couple of weeks of my mission i was struggling not to try to listen to music that i shouldn't be i was like oh i miss and like listening to like heavy metals and stuff i was like oh this was this was a bad idea but, oh jeez. Um, but yeah, and then that's, that's kind of where I finished off is in, in Cumbernauld. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed my time there. We, it, the good ward. Um, I remember Bryce, did you say you served in Cumbernauld? Yeah, I was there for six months towards the beginning of our mission. I, that was my second area. Oh, six months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they've the one they fed us. They fed us well there. Yeah, the mix. Yeah, the I remember one of the things I, that stands out about Cumbernauld. Well, there's a, there's quite a few things, but like one of the things that I remember though that was kind of fun about Cumbernauld was you remember everything was just ugly little square concrete buildings. And it was like a maze of ugly little square concrete buildings. And it's just all gray, no color. Like it was just a very weird, it looked like, it looked like a video game, like a shooter yeah. kind of game, you know? And like uh, a disaster end of the world movie scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being there on Guy Fox night and the place was exploding with fireworks. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't know yeah. where they got some of these, but some of these people were letting off like, huge mortars in their yards and stuff like in the place it didn't take long and like you couldn't see it was just all hazy all that smoke and you could just hear the place exploding and just light kind of flashing all around but then at night you're walking through there and you kind of get these flashes but it's all these ugly little square buildings you get like the silhouettes of the buildings and stuff and it looked like a war movie it looked like something out of like a halo game or something i don't know it was the wildest thing I spent the first Guy Fox night there, so a year before you. Oh, and yeah, and I, <laughs> I like I said on Elder Hills broadcast, there was not there was not a firework that went up into the air. They all went right into the buildings. Like, <laughs> well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. The Neds creating a war zone, essentially. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, but I got there when I got there, they had just finished their new building. So we had the building and it was nice. It was a nice little new building. It was a small building, but it was nice. Um, but I remember uh, when we were there, <laughs> do you remember the armors? Bob, Robert armor. and they had like 12 kids. Yeah. Yeah. I and they had like, they had that big old, huge assault van for all their kids. Yeah. They were like, like a almost like a stereotypical Mormon family because of the size, yeah. yeah. And the kids it ranged in age from newborn to twenty-two, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I do remember. It that. was, it was, it, they were. There was a big brood of them, but uh, I remember uh, Bob Armour, the dad. He was our ward mission leader when we were there, and they did a lot of stuff for us and helped us out a lot. It was they were they were great. They were great to us, but I remember, uh, whatever reason he did not like Stratton very much. <laughs> and, uh, 
they they kind of butted heads. And uh, I remember several times going to church and before the meeting would start, uh, Bob would pull us in a room on the side and like give us a little whip the dog session, start scolding us for whatever we know. And uh, the, it, you know, it was, it was a little tough, I think at times, but the, the one thing I remember learning from that is uh, I remember learning to apologize for things, even whether I thought I was right or wrong or anything, just it's better to just apologize try to to mend those fences and then move on. And that was a great lesson I learned when I was in that area and serving with Stratton. Um, there was many times when I just, you know, you had to like just swallow your pride. And I remember making calls probably like four or five times to the armors because they could hold a grudge. They could, they could get quite ornery. And I remember having to call them up several times like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry that we, you know, hurt your feelings or that we might've offended you or whatever. And I, can we, can we work through this? And that was a great life lesson for me. Uh, And he's, he's the one I was talking to Sprague. He's the one that I didn't know we were in charge of filling the font and he had to baptize his daughter in cold water. Yeah. I can imagine how he, he, he hated you know that. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, the uh, it was was good times. A lot of good learning experiences. I used to tease Stratton because, like I said, we were together for like six, just over six months, and uh, we used to joke around. I'd always tell Stratton, "I was like, well, honey, we made it through our first year of marriage." Because I was like, we've spent more time together than a newlywed. So <laughs> what would you like for your anniversary? He didn't like that too much. But I, I was like, now looking back, I'm like, it's true. Think about it. Six That's months incredible. as a missionary, you never are away from each other. I was like, I'm pretty sure that he can be considered my first wife. <laughs> Especially if you count hours. Newlyweds don't oh, spend yeah. that much time together. Yeah, every day, all day. No. Wow. And you both live to tell the tale. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the sad thing too about, uh, so when I went out, you know, I was telling you earlier that I went out to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, went to school and went into the commercial diving and stuff. And I didn't know it at the time, but Stratton lived in Charleston, South Carolina. And I, didn't find out till I was like leaving. I was so bummed. I was like, Oh wow. man. And I, uh, so I, I haven't, I haven't really been able to, I haven't talked to him much. I think I talked to him once or twice, maybe since we got home, but, uh, it's, uh, he's a hard dude to get a hold of. Yeah. He was, so I don't he, know was my, hold him? he was my MTC companion. I haven't had oh, that's contact right. that's with right. him. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to catch up with him through this too. Yeah. I love Stratton. He's a great dude. Yep. Have I said that about everyone yet, or did I miss anybody? I think I think you got everyone's great dude. Oh, good, good. <laughs> there were some questionables, but yes, you called them all great dudes. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any? Um, you spoke a little bit about you know President Brains calling you up and giving you some special assignments and stuff. Do you have any other specific memories of the Brainses? 
Um, well, I guess first off, I, I'm probably going to, the first thing that comes to mind for sister Reigns is probably the same as everybody. Like the zone conference dude, her like clean up, throw on the pig nose and the bonnet and the apron and all that stuff. That was classic, man. He just, <laughs> she, she was great. Um, the other thing I remember about sister Reigns is, do you remember on our birthdays, she'd make those big old cookies oh and give gosh. those out? It, I forgot about I that. that. Yeah, those were, oh, they were so good. <laughs> they were like very cookies, good. like bigger than a dinner plate. Yeah. yeah they I were enjoyed humongous. that. Yeah. But uh, she's trying to keep you lean, then, Jack. She only fed the I big know. boys the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> like, like gazelle figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I gained, I'm one of those who gained three stone on the mission. So maybe she's like, he's had enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I really gained much, to be honest. I, I think I might've been probably 15 pounds heavier than I left. Maybe I don't really, but back in those days I had a metabolism that wouldn't quit. I wish I, that thing hadn't <laughs> quit on me. It quit now. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, as as I remember it, so we served like on opposite sides of the mission, the whole mission. I didn't see you from the MTC until the last day when we picked you up in the van. That's um, true. Uh, that is true. <laughs> and you looked exactly the same to me after two years. Oh. So, thanks. Still, still yeah. good looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, I, I don't think I was ever around you at all on the mission. And Zach, I think, I mean, I had seen you a few times in different zone conferences or whatever, but I don't think we ever really served around each other either. I no. shared companions on a couple. I know you served with Littlefield, I believe, right? I think you served with Littlefield right before I did. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, he, he was my longest companion. We were, we spent four and a half months together in Dunfermline and I love Brent. He's just, really one of those like you said you 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 encompassed him perfe- perfectly by saying he's just knew how to love people and um yeah i i really enjoyed brent i served around elder tomlinson um towards the end of my mission too because i was the aberdeen zone leader my last six months and he okay. was in the he was in the bridge of dawn ward for uh, I want to say maybe one, uh, one or two transfers. I can't remember. Um, and he's a character just, you know, uh, he had a How really was... good, really good chuckle about him. Just, he made me happy. Yeah. I liked, I liked him. How, how was he doing? I, cause you know, I, I was with him for six weeks at the beginning of his mission. I was gone. I'd never really been able to talk to him since. I'm just curious. How did, how did he do with from there? Well, you know, interestingly enough, you brought up his his CD collection. I heard at some point that he started also collecting DVDs. I'm not sure why, um, and but you know, I did hear rumors as a leader that he may or may not have had a personal DVD player that he'd watch movies before he go to bed or whatever. And I, I'm look, I don't know these things for certain, so this is just sure. maybe get maybe getting hearsay, hearsay. but. But nonetheless, you know, in my interactions with him, it was very, 
you know, straight to the point. He wasn't a very outgoing guy, but uh, he was always cordial and super nice. He definitely was a good eater, but I think that was just because that's who he was. But I remember him saying, telling that story about having to lose a certain amount of weight. I don't remember how much it was in order for him to be on the mission, but clearly he's a dedicated soul to have done such a thing to get there. And, you know, I, I commend him for that. Cause I don't know that I'd have the self-control. I'd be like, you don't want me. Okay, cool. I'll, I'm out. <laughs> I tried. They turned me down. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed being with him. He was, he was fun to, to wrestle with. <laughs> oh, I bet. It's like, it's like, it's like, wrestling a grizzly bear yeah pretty much well, any uh, other uh elders or sisters you want to call out you think we should reach out to i mean we're, we're we're researching reaching out to people where we can um yeah well i mean clearly i would love to hear from any of my companions to be honest but uh outside of people that i was companions with uh there's a, I don't know. There's a few, I feel bad. There's probably a whole, there's a lot of people I'd love to hear from, but off the top of my head, um, Barber, Elder Barber. I'd like to hear from him. Has anyone heard from him? He's coming on next week. Oh boy. Elder Barber was Can't in wait. my, it was in my MTC group. And then he served for six weeks of my six months in Dunfermline. One of the, in the other companionship. So, I love Elder Barber. He's my guy. I'm excited to talk to him. Yeah, I liked him. Uh, and uh, McLeod would be a fun one. I'd like yeah, to I've, hear what he's up to. <laughs> I have reached out to him, but not yet heard heard from him. So, Elder McLeod, you need to check your messages. But uh, the some of the others that I was thinking about that would be fun to hear from are uh, some of the a little bit older missionaries, but. Uh, do you guys remember Elder Dunn? Yeah. I think he served Parmenter up on the Shetlands. Yeah. He was a zone leader, um, one of my zone leaders in my first area in Hamilton. I think he served I think he served with Parmenter up there for like six weeks and they came down with zone leader in Motherwell. But I love that guy. He was just a salt of the earth kind of guy. Uh and I remember one of our first zone or I don't know if it was a district meeting or zone or whatever, but we got together and we went to, there was some, I don't even know where it was, some hill somewhere around Hamilton or Motherwell or somewhere in that general vicinity. But we decided for a P day, we were just going to walk up and just kind of hike this hill and go just take in the scenery or whatever. And, you know, Kind of going back to what I was saying before, I was probably not uh, the best prepared when I went on my mission. I, uh, by nature, have a very competitive nature, and it's, I don't know, I had a hard time shutting that off. And so I remember we, even like when we Pratt's Hill, when we dedicate our mission, I was I was that dork who like, first one up the hill, <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm like, well, great, now that I'm here, I don't know what, you know, but I, I made it up here before anyone else. But uh, we did this zone meeting, and kind of the same thing we decided to like go hike this hill and so like i, I don't know that just part of my brain kicks in i'm like 
like a little mountain goat up to the top of the hill. And then I remember, I remember Dunn getting up to the top of the hill and he's like, you know, this was a lot of fun, this hike up here. He's like, maybe next time we can do it together and actually enjoy each other's company. <laughs> and I remember just feeling kind of stupid. And I was thinking, that is stupid. Why did I like rush up here? I was like, I enjoy talking to you guys. Like, I don't know why I had to rush up here. Like, I, I don't know, you know, those stupid little things that you have to like learn to get over and grow up. That was one of those moments where I was like, Oh, maybe I should uh, think, think a little That's bit good. about the situation. I just verified we have gotten a hold of Dunn. He's going to be on in a few weeks. So, oh yeah, I love that guy. I haven't talked to him in forever, but I would love to hear from him. But uh, yeah, I think my mission. You know, you always want to think that you did a lot of good for people and you served people and maybe made a difference. And I'll be honest with you, as I look back on my mission, as much as I'd like to say that I served and and, and helped a lot of people, I think ultimately I probably did more good for me than anyone else. Um, I don't know that you realize it at the time, but as I look back, I mean, there's so much that my mission contributed to who I am now that I just don't, it's just irreplaceable. And even things like literally, I wasn't joking when I told you I, I was half illiterate when, <laughs> when I left on my mission, I probably graduated high school and this isn't something I'm proud of, but I probably graduated high school with like a fifth grade reading level. I was terrible. And so I, things like, speaking in public or speaking in church were like mortal fear. Number one, I hated being put on the spot. So like having to go out and street contact, that stuff was so far out of my comfort zone and trying to like read scriptures with people so far out of my comfort zone. But because of my mission and the time that I spent studying and for a lot of my mission, trying to get up at five and get that extra time in because I was just so slow and just so efficient, inefficient at it. Like literally I, I learned to read on my mission. I, it's not, not, doesn't probably say much for me, but, uh, do you know how hard it is to get through life? If you don't know how to read, like, that's a great blessing that came from my mission. Yeah. Um, learning how to love people, learning how to, like I said, to apologize to people and forgive people and move on. And like all these things that, you know, can you imagine being married and not knowing how to do these things ahead of time? life could be rough <laughs> Got, uh, you know, I, all that out of the way with stratton so you're good yeah. well yeah stratton, you know, speaking of stratton so we were i remember i think it must have been with stratton because i think it was in cumbernauld i'm pretty sure i don't remember anyways i remember and this this also doesn't say much for me but like one of the Here's a good lesson I learned. We were sitting at a bus stop one time, and I think it was in Cumbernauld. I think we were in like Abram Hill or something like that, one of those areas. And then everyone thought it was supposed to be really rough. I was like, I don't know. But we were sitting there waiting. And I remember as we were waiting for our bus to come, uh, I see this woman come come running from across the street to catch the, the bus. There was a double ducker that came, but that wasn't our bus. So we just were sitting in the bus stop waiting. And this lady, I'm watching her and she starts running and yelling at the bus driver, like, stop, wait, wait, wait. And she's running across the street and this bus is starting to pull forward. And I remember thinking, Oh dude, either that guy is just a jerk and he he's just ignoring her or he, 
I don't know, maybe you can't hear her, but I was like, oh man, I, I remember just feeling so bad for this woman because she's sprinting trying to catch this bus. And I, as I observed this whole thing happen, sure enough, the bus never stopped and it kept going and she missed her bus and she ends up like, she, I felt bad. She's like out of breath running over and like clearly distraught that she'd missed this bus. And then all of a sudden, she starts yelling at me like, why didn't you stop the bus? And all of a sudden for the first time, like that click, I was like, Oh, I was sitting watching this whole thing. And I never even occurred to me that I could have been like, Hey dude, wait, you got someone coming. And like by nature, I tend to be a guy that like, I can easily just kind of like get into my own little world and observe things. I'll, I've, you know, my wife gives me a hard time because I'll see someone in church and be like, Oh, did you see so-and-so? They didn't look so good. And my wife was like, yeah, they had this and this happen, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how do you know that? She's like, oh, uh, I talked to them. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> probably a good idea. Like, I don't know. I kind of get in my zone. But, uh, I, you know, I that experience stuck with me because I remember just thinking, man, I need to be more present sometimes. Like, and make a conscious effort not to get stuck in my own little, like, my own world doing whatever. And I just, I just remember like feeling bad for the woman and whatever. And all of a sudden she caught me completely out of off guard when she was yelling at me all of a sudden. And then like, all of a sudden it's like whoop, back to reality. Hey idiot, why didn't you do anything? And, uh, that was, that was a humbling, humbling lesson for me. But, uh, it's, it's these, these types of things that I feel like have helped me become, who I am today, you know, I've got a lot of learning, a lot of growing left to do. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, the mission was a great, great jump start to kind of get me, get me going in life. Um, you know, there, there are times I wish I could have been more useful to other people, but, uh, it definitely was a bigger blessing for me than I probably was to anybody else. Yeah, that's, I think that's a sentiment shared by a lot of us going out there thinking like you said earlier there'd be a line of people and we're, we're here to teach you and baptize you and that's just not what our mission was uh, no. so and that that's kind of why we're doing this too is that witness that the things that we did do are now catching up they're you know looking back 20 years almost we can see like here's the impact it had here's that turning point in our lives lessons we learned all that yeah yeah, I enjoyed the fact that you made a comment about how the mission may have benefited you more than anything. And that's not a bad thing. You know, you sometimes we have to get ourselves out of our element in order to gain the necessary tools or skills or what have you to just continue to move forward, whether it's gospel related or just life in general. Um, so I think that's a huge win for you and don't sell yourself short maybe if the primary objective was actually to help other people, they wouldn't be sending 18, 19 year olds out there anyway. They'd <laughs> so. have a little better screening process. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. No, it was good though. I, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that I went, I had, uh, it was for me, it was great. I, these people who always, I hear people all the time talk about, uh, you know, Mission is the greatest experience. You need to just let these young men that know that missions are fun. Missions are fun. That's the greatest two years. I was like, man, I don't know about that. I, I don't know that I would 
describe my mission. I mean, I had a lot of fun moments on my mission, but as a whole, I don't know if it would be fun as the way I would describe it. It was hard and it was hard work, but man, it was good. It was, it was a necessary thing to go through for me. Uh, and I'm glad I did it, but man, I was not shedding tears when I went home. I was like, man, two years was great. I'm ready to move on and do other things. I was, I was pretty, pretty excited to get home and be done knocking doors. I remember coming home and meeting up with a bunch of guys and they went and met with a recruiter to do summer sales and nothing against anyone doing summer sales, but I was like, stuff that I was like, there's nothing I would rather do less then knock on doors and door to door. I would rather shoot my, I'd rather stab myself with a spoon. Not, not going to happen. I, I yeah. didn't particularly like chapping doors when I actually believed in the stuff I was trying to share. I could care less about your bug spray. I ain't doing it. Nah. Not a chance. Oh, man. That's too good. Yeah. It's very, that's very relatable because that was a huge thing for most of us when we came home. It's like you're a return missionary, and everybody, we got to get you summer sales. Yep. And did any of you guys do summer sales? I mean, no offense. No, okay. I did. Oh. I did for like three weeks, and I was like, "This is not for me." Oh well, good for you. I I, I was like, "There's no way." I got a couple that, free meals out of their sales pitches, but well, there you go. You know, there you go. That's right. Did you guys, so when you guys got home, did you ever like at first kind of find it weird? People were like, well, how was Scotland? You're like, what do you mean? How was Scotland? Like, no one wants to hear about the gospel. They're like, <laughs> like I baptized like six people in two years and I worked my butt off. And like, my friends were like coming back from Brazil and we were like, oh yeah, I baptized like 300 people. I was like, get out of here. Like, yeah, that I, wasn't still, a mission. I still feel that. When people ask me, like, oh, you lived in Scotland, like, great experience. And I'm, I'm just like, well, a great place to visit. You know? Yeah. Well, people are like, oh, yeah, you must have seen a lot of cool stuff. I'm like, yeah, I remember watching a drunk guy fall in his face and break it open. <laughs> I remember watching, uh, like, I don't know, like, because, you know, we weren't there sightseeing. We weren't tourists. Like, we, it was, you know, our experience was not the typical, you know, from what people yeah. think when they go to see Scotland. So, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of good times, but it's always a weird question. Like, Oh, that must've been a cool place to serve. Sure. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what any other place was like to serve in, but my favorite, cool mo- people. my favorite moment coming home is I had a longstanding member of my home ward that walked up to me the first day I came back to church and he goes, Hey, how do they say Joseph Smith in Scotland? And I went, Joseph Smith. <laughs> and he, and he, he was like, I, I was like, are you serious? Like, did you think I learned Gaelic or something while I was there? I mean, this is where we learn yeah. English from. <laughs> something else. My gosh. Yeah. Well, Terrence, We've really enjoyed having you. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend some time with us. And for for a guy who came on and said, I don't know how much I'm going to remember. You did a pretty darn good job. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. It was fun. An hour and a half later. Oh, has it been an hour and a half? Yeah, man. Well, <laughs> if anyone actually watches this, I apologize. <laughs> wasn't my intention. <laughs> You're not, no, you're you're not the record holder yet. So, 
Well, good. Well, maybe I ought to cut it off before I become the record holder. <laughs> we but really hey, guys, appreciate I, you, though. I appreciate you uh, bringing that. Like, this is a cool idea. I'm glad, glad you guys did this. It, it's been fun for me to like, hear some other people's experiences. And like I said, there's so much stuff I didn't even realize I had forgotten until I hear people say, I'm like, oh, man, that's, yeah. So this has been pretty cool. So thanks. Great. You're very welcome. We This is a labor of love. We have loved every moment of this so far. So we appreciate you participating and, you know, spread the word, share it with those that you're still in contact with. And if anybody else, I'll plug the podcast real quick. If anybody else is interested, check out our website, 51spylaw.com or send us an email, sempodcast at 51spylaw.com and we'll get you on here. We've got some fun ones coming up and the list just keeps growing every single day. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Terrence. Thanks, Terrence. Have a good night, guys. Love See you. you. Love you too.